corporate was me going to Miami, like my LeBron mm-hmm. went to Miami. Gotta be humbling though. No, hundred percent. To you build a seven-figure business, then you gotta go back to work for somebody. But that that was acknowledging what I did wrong. If Le, if LeBron just felt like, yo, f this, I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna win this championship, mm-hmm. not knowing like what you need to learn and be better at, and what you're surrounded with isn't gonna help you help provide that. Yeah. You have to go somewhere and learn that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, all right, I'm gonna go into corporate. And I'm going to learn how to run a billion dollar business. David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Do you have an idea you need to get off the ground? Are you a small business owner looking to earn supplemental income or replace your current income? Come and join the most amazing mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs live with David Shans himself. That's right. This is not pre-recorded and it's not a replay. This is live every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition to the live calls, you'll also receive a weekly individual Q&A call, a private Facebook community, access to all call replays, and access to David's list of resources and contacts you need to be in an environment of success so head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial that's right just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today themorningmeetup.com and three two one you're listening to the Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shands. Let's get it. All right, welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We have amazing guests who've actually built stuff. And this is my guy. This is my first time actually meeting you in person. I felt like I've met you before. Though. Right, I feel like so we if, like... if I walked in and I was just like, yo, what up? It's because I felt like we've met and done that a hundred times before. Absolutely. And, and we're on a call pretty much every single week every with the Power week, Circle, yeah. so... It is actually a pleasure meeting you, man. Absolutely. It really, really pleasure is. meeting you as well. Uh, well, just, we we gonna jump straight into it, man. Uh, introduce yourself to the people, what you do, and uh, we'll start right there, man. Absolutely, Steve Canal, um, co-founder of One Venture Group, which is based here in Atlanta. Um, I got my two partners, Jay Carter and Troy Brown. We kind of formed Voltron to put our businesses together. We all have our expertise. Mm-hmm. I have a background in sales, trade marketing, marketing, community affairs. Oh, you got to say a background in sales, trade, trade marketing? marketing, which is trade big, marketing or tra- trade trade marketing, which is marketing for big box and retail. So the marketing campaigns that are going to Walmart or Publix or Kroger's, mm. um, there's a specific type of marketing for that. So being able to speak gotcha. that language um, and create programming for Publix because they're not going to want the same thing as a Kroger right, or a Walmart. Right. They want their own individual programs. So developing retail and you know based programs, uh, marketing, mm. field marketing. You know, working with you know the the Braves or the Hawks mm. and creating you know programs for those partnerships and bringing those partnerships for, to life. Um, not just here in Atlanta, but you know we're a national company, so we work in develop programming from here to North Carolina and everything in between, you know, um, you know, my partner Troy has a background in tech, so he's our, our tech guy. So mm-hmm. all the back end stuff from advertisements, um, targeting, retargeting, he's a G in that he has 20 years and Jay Carter has a background. Um, he's worked in corporate, uh, and you know, one of the guys, um, behind a lot of activations here in Atlanta from soul fusion, one music fest, mm-hmm. So we all came together and brought all our businesses to become one and 
no matter what you want to do, if you want to get into a, a grocery store, if you want to, you know, get a new uh, brand identity, new logos, websites, if you want to run ads um, to reach a certain audience, if you want to produce a 50,000 person event, uh, we do it all under one house. Gotcha. I want to I talk about the trade marketing thing. How does Nike continue to get it right? So the Come beauty of Phil Knight is um, he walks you through that journey mm. of trying to get a shoe deal, knowing nothing about shoes. He was mm. just a salesman, yeah. right? And being able to finesse that into going overseas, into China and getting the deal there and bringing it back and opening up shop in Oregon. Right, like right. that relentless, um, you know, theme runs throughout now because there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of, um, you know, innovation that's happening right now. You got sneakers coming from China, you know, like a lean Ning. You got Adidas, you got Converse, you got all these brands, but they're still consistent throughout the years because they got that that dog in them, that fight, that Phil Knight, you know, that I think resonates throughout. And if you work at Nike, you just know you have to bring it. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, it's right. not something where you come with lame ideas. They just align themselves with the right people to be innovative. There's a, there's a certain mindset. You know, it's just like, you know, um, there's certain big companies that will only hire engineers because they know how engineers think. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, and that is something that's part of their ilk. You know what I'm saying? When they bring in marketers, they bring in marketers that have an engineering background so they can think different and, and, and produce and innovate differently. So how does an engineer think? What is so special about an engineer's thought process? They're, they're very strategic and they're very analytical. And they move off of insights, right? They're continuously learning and they apply those key learnings to what they're continuing to build. They build off of what they learned off of. Most people don't do that. Most people will just go and they don't take the insights of what they've learned from the past and apply now. Mm-hmm. And that applies to everything in life, yeah. you know? Um, so engineer's mind is definitely more complex than the average. Mm. And an engineer is something I, someone, they... They construct pretty much, right? Yeah. And they just got to think through, like, not that I lay a brick here, but why am I laying a brick here? Did we dig deep enough to be actually lay the brick here? Yeah, they, they dive into the gray. Yeah, You know, the gray is that area. You have white and you have black, which most people live in. They live in that middle, the gray, of seeing both sides and how can I make both sides coexist in the world and, mm. and live, which is how you create and build. Mm. So working in corporate, because I, I think your story is just dope because you went to corporate to like steal the game, like Intel, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, 100%. Like spy vibes. I had, I had a plan. Right. I had a plan. So, so walk, walk me through that plan. So, um, you know, prior I was, I was an entrepreneur and I had my business and I grew it to seven figures. What business was that? Um, <laughs> Think Group Media. Think group say it, media. Say it again. I was expecting you to ask me that. All right, go oh, ahead. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. We just keep rolling. It's okay. Yeah. See, we are hundred percent natural. So, so the so the first business before you went in corporate. Yeah, before I went to corporate. So I had my own, yeah, I had my own business. Uh, Think Group Media, and I worked with you know uh, Allstate Insurance. I worked with Magic Johnson's uh, organization at the time. Um, Delta, American uh, Airlines, McDonald's, just bringing brands on, Presidente Beer, uh, just bringing on contracts based off relationships. Like while I was, you know, doing stuff uh, prior to that, I was just building relationships across the country. I did events in every state in the country. 
So hmm. by me connecting with folks and meeting people like that led to being able to get contracts. Um, so I built the business up to seven figures. How did you start though? Like what was the beginning? Oh, if I go back, started in college when I was in college. So I went to Fordham University, played college basketball at Fordham on a full scholarship. My senior year, I tore my ACL. But prior to that, I was able to get Tommy Hilfiger to sponsor our team my junior year. And then Sean mm. John, our senior year, telling them we have a bunch of six, eight, six, nine guys walking through the airport. Why not just outfit us? Right. So Tommy Hilfiger, you know, created velour suits, bags, all types of stuff for us, socks, everything for us to In college, wear. you were striking deals. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wasn't getting paid for it. I just got the gear. Right. The school benefited off what of it. What did you do, though? What did you do to get that going? Like, what's the story behind that? So playing basketball, I leveraged that. Um, so playing basketball, I leveraged that to build a relationship with the senior director at Tommy Hilfiger at the time, Peter Paul, mm-hmm. who I was just on the phone with earlier when we were talking oh, about gotcha. fashion stuff. Right, it's, right. it's funny how it continues to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was one of the first that I met that showed me about what business was like, was supposed to be like, and what being a good husband is supposed to be like. Because we're doing stuff together with Tommy Hilfiger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, I'm going back and forth between the story from yeah. like college to like, prior then I'm gonna go back I like it um he still works for Tommy Hilfiger no he's not there anymore now he has his own business he created Lala Anthony's uh clothing line him and his wife which is in Foot Locker billboards all over Mm. New York City his wife worked for Rockaware Steve Madden a bunch of folks so historically that's their ilk that's what they do um and I tap into that you know with some of the clients that I have um and how we bring those brands to life but when we would go out for Tommy Hilfiger doing events because he was the first, they were one of the first to start wrapping vehicles. So mm-hmm. they had a wrapped Harley in Tommy Hilfiger. They had a wrapped Hummer um, mm-hmm. of Tommy Hilfiger. So when I'm going to college, I'm riding that Hummer in school on campus, some shit that nobody that nobody's seen, you know right. what I'm saying, like that. Um, so when we would go out to events, he would be always be with his wife. Like she was always there. It wasn't a time that he was out that he was alone, you know, and I'm seeing that like he's dancing with her, having a good time. I'm like, that's what I want, you know? So it was cool to experience that at that age. But while I was in college, built a relationship with him. Tommy Hilfiger had a team at Rucker Park, which is a huge basketball um, court and uh, theme in the city, uh, played for them. So while I was in college, started talking to him about it, you know, like he had all these players, let's make this happen and he made it happen you know he wow. was a part of the Aaliyah campaign um, mm. Beyonce all that stuff so um, in college built that relationship senior year ended up doing Sean John because it was a new hot thing mm. and then when I tore my ACL um, and I'm having a conversation with him he was like come rock with us at Tommy Hilfiger so I'm doing fashion shows mm. um, doing a concert series at Jones Beach like he gave me an opportunity to dive into it right Um, because I was still rehabbing my knee from there people saw what I was doing in an agency called Vital Marketing in New York asked me to rock with them got the army contract and there was a national tour they wanted to do Mm. so rocked out with them helped build that out Um, ended up doing an annual mixtape tour with the US Army in that and then from there from building those relationships I started my own company I was like I know the game like I'm in these streets like I know what the client wants I know what the attendees want. Mm-hmm. I know the difference from state to state. 
um, coming up with the ideas to execute and, and, and plan and how to actually move this tour from city to city. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll just do it myself, which I did. And that's what led me to Atlanta. Was there a falling out of you in the company at all? Or? Nah, uh, the CEO's in my book, Joe Anthony. Mm. Um, man, I don't have one ex-girlfriend that I don't have a good relationship with. I don't have one ex-girlfriend that I have a bad relationship with. Like, I just, things don't end like that with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I see past that. It's not that moment, you know? You know what's crazy? Because there are some people that are the exact opposite, where they just leave a trail of fire, yeah. right? Like, every relationship, something, like, really bad happened, right? What do you think that is caused It's in their DNA, you know? Like, when you're growing up, that I'm pretty sure... I'd probably say seven times out of 10, they've witnessed that growing up and it was a part of their life. Mm. So they feel like that's normal. That's how it should be. And then a lot of people metamorphosize into something deeper where they they aren't happy unless they feel the pain or they feel somebody else feeling. Like, mm. I'm going to do this so I can get a reaction out of you. And by getting that reaction, that lets me know that you care about me. Toxicity, right? Toxic like a mug. Like, that's very toxic, but people live off toxicity. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people who live off of war. There's people who live off negativity. There's the yin and the yang. It's always, that's life. It's a part of it. You know, you know, it's, uh, I, I started to notice it, man, just um, and really in, in a sensitive way of, um, you know, people who find themselves in, in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that that um, people who find themselves in abusive relationships have been in an abusive relationship before. Yeah, absolutely. And how, and not trying to be insensitive, but how do you go from abusive relationship to abusive relationship? Or you find, for some reason, you're always attracted to somebody that's going to cheat. And like, that's just your, that's your thing, yeah. right? So how, is it, is it something that you're attracting or is it something that people see like, oh, you're giving me the signs of what I like or what I'm used to? Yeah, you know, again, I think there are things that motivate people, that put people in a position of comfort. Like, I'm used to this. I know what this feels like. And that's why sometimes somebody who's been in toxic relationships, they'll get in an amazing relationship and they'll bounce. They won't be there. Mm. you know, because they're not used to it. They don't know how to react to that. You know, that's where communication comes in, into play. And you need somebody that can really talk you through it. Mm-hmm. You feel like that feeling you're feeling right now, it's actually all right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not too many take the, take the time to fight it through with people. They'll just let it, let it, you know, end and move on. Mm. Wow. That's, that's deep. And I, I, I going back because I can stay there all day because like we, we we have conversations right and mm. I, I I'm not afraid to talk about it so like I don't I don't um I feel like if somebody's going through something I feel that right or I have a um I have a gift of knowing like something's going on behind but in terms of deep emotional connection I I lack that like I don't I don't cry much or I don't maybe I'm too positive. Like, yo, Oh, that ain't that bad. We straight. Like I'm not the things that maybe should affect me. Mm -hmm. Don't affect me. I don't know if that's a plus or a negative. I think it's a plus because that's less stress. That's on your shoulders. I think that's a reason why I don't have bad exes 
Because I was like, cool. Or I just moved on and yeah. how you felt is how you felt. And I'm going to respond, but I'm not going to sit here yelling and going back and forth with you. Right. Like I've moved on. Yeah. Like if it was me or you, whichever it is, cool. And I'm, <laughs> I know who I am. I know what I offer to the world. Mm-hmm. So there's no use in me, you know, sullying over a situation. I'm going to be all right. Like we've been through too much in life to feel like because I broke up with you or this relationship is over, the world is over. Let me tell you you the backfire. So I was, I was literally, um, (laughs) I'll get into, I'm going to jump back into the story, (laughs) but I got to tell this one. So I was, I was dating a young lady and then, you know, I ended and like, you know, she's crying. She's emotional. Like, and at some point I said, well, and I, I, was, I was really into personal development. And I said, here's the good news, okay? Looking down the future, you're going to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. And right now it's tough. It's a tough moment, but we're both going to be okay after this. Right. And she snapped. She <laughs> thought that was the most insensitive thing another human can say to another person. And now looking back at it, I was like, dang, I was a jerk. I was really trying to get you, you off the phone. Like, all right, end of the day, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You were a jerk, but <laughs> how real was it, though? I was being really authentic. And it's real, though. You both are still all right. I'm and, pretty and sure. And we're both all right. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure she'll look back like, damn, he was right. Right. But in the moment, maybe yeah, In I the moment, nobody said. wants to hear that. Like, you just crushed me. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, And then I'm, it seems like I'm just brushing it off. Yeah. Oh, you're going through something. You're throwing a tantrum. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, that joke sounds terrible now. This one. All right, cool. So... You, you leave the, the original company, um, no bad blood. I'm sure you frame it in a way like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's time for me to exactly. spread my wings. Like, I've, like throughout my entire life and process, anybody who's helped me get to the next level, who's given me a charge to get to the next level, taught me whatever, I'm always going to acknowledge that. So it was never a point where was, I was just out. Like, yeah. you know my growth. Yeah. We're talking about it. I thank you every week because... Without the opportunity, I wouldn't be where I am. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know my performance. You know who I am. So eventually, you know, like, I can't stay here. Like, you're not going to be able to pay me enough. You know what I'm saying? So the relationships always end cool, move on, and then I always do my best to show that love back. Mm -hmm. So whether it's assisting you in getting a contract for a deal or being an ear to listen to a pitch that you have or providing insight of my thoughts of what you're about to present, I'm always going to be available regardless. You know what I'm saying? Because I know that without those steps, I wouldn't be who I am. So when I moved on, they knew what it was. And I took on the world and I created my own platform, grew it to seven figures. And then the recession hit, you know, Mm. during the recession, um, you know, during that time I was playing like I was LeBron first in the league. It was just all pure talent. Yeah. Right. And then LeBron had to fail. Um, and then surround himself with the right people, mm-hmm. gain the right insights and put a plan together and strategy, you know, invest a million dollars in my body every year yeah. to be the best performer. Um, I went through that metamorphosis to by going into corporate America. M- going into corporate was me going to Miami, like my LeBron mm-hmm. went to Miami. Got to be humbling, though. No, 100%. To, you build a seven-figure business, then you got to go back to work for somebody. But that, that was acknowledging... What I did wrong. If Le- if LeBron just felt like, yo, F this, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to win this championship, mm-hmm. not knowing like what you need to learn and be better at and what you're surrounded with isn't going to help you help provide that. Yeah. You have to go somewhere and learn that. Yeah. 
And that's why I was like, all right, I'm going to go into corporate and I'm going to learn how to run a billion dollar business. So I'm going to go into sales first because sales is what keeps the lights on. I'm going go to go through sales and I'm going to learn how to learn about velocity. If I get a product in a store, how do I get it out of the store? How do I get people to walk out with it? Mm. And that's what trade marketing is, is, is thinking and using insights. Like how many times do people walk through this door When somebody walks in? Do they make a right or do they make a left? How many, how many, how much time do people send, spend in the fresh produce? How much time do people spend, you know, in, you know, the middle aisles where it's all, you know, pretty Dang. much all the stuff that's not good for you, right, <laughs> you right, know, right. like where, you know, when they open a, a, a door at a convenience store, are their eyes looking straight? And is that the best placement for a product? Or is it when you open the doors to the left? You know, like there's so much that goes into it. Mm. So I went to learn that. And then, you know, did marketing in the Lions partnerships, working with some of the big sports teams and understanding what what moves them, what kind of campaigns you're interested in, what kind of billboards do you leverage, um, you know, to going into community affairs. All right, these nonprofits across the country, how can I help with the machine make you achieve your goals and attain your goals? And while doing that, impact the bottom line of this organization. So creating national programming that not only gives back to the community, but also helps the bottom line for the organization because one's nonprofit and one is for profit. Mm. I can't move like they're both nonprofit and just keep taking money and giving it yeah. like that's not good business, yeah. you know, and by understanding all those dynamics and then on top of it, understanding strategy, like learning to plan three years out, five years out. What does that look like that now that forces you to dive into insights by doing research and seeing what's new, what's coming. There's virtual re reality. There's augmented reality. All right. What's next after that? And how can I incorporate brands into that? What does a brand look like? three years from now, what do I need to do? You know, people are going to go from, you know, loving coffee, espresso flavored beers to now I want fruity beers and strawberry flavored beers. Now I want seltzer, you know, like where, where is society going? They're trying to be more healthy now. So, so you have to you, think you, that way. How do you see that? Or how do you like, first of all, let's go back to like, when you walk into a restaurant, a grocery store, do you go left or right? Like, like what who taught you to like to learn, to think like that to learn in companies <laughs> because, because, because it's, it's not it's, we're human beings it's not it's not based off chance like we're yo he's gonna drop a cool shirt it's just cool no we're human beings so human beings love patterns human beings like to to do the things that they're most comfortable doing and people create those patterns and more people think the same way than not when it comes to these situations. Mm -hmm. So you have your people who are going to go when they first walk into a grocery store, they're going to look at the vegetables first. Right. Huh, let me think of how I walk in the grocery. I, I guess so. Like think about it. I guess so. Vegetables guess so. and fruits. And then there's some people who are going to go straight to a certain aisle or make a left and go to this area or go straight to the meats. Like, majority of people, there's a good amount of people who think the same that move and move the same way. So how can I market to those individuals? What are some things like-minded 
partnerships that I can do? Is there certain seasoning that I can put next to the broccoli? Is there, um, you know, a certain beer that I could put next to the apples? You know, so you're starting to think about alliance Mm. partnerships that way because you're thinking how people think. And typically, if you like one thing, you might like something else. So you're trying to build to that. Got you. Got you. So with um, so the successful companies are going past just the demographic, but the habits and behaviors of the demographic. Oh, 100 percent. That's when you're making billions. So on on a smaller level, let's just say I'm I don't know. I have a hat company. Right. I'm trying to sell hats. How do I think past? All right. Black people like dad caps and I'm going to sell yellows and blacks. But that's I think that is a fault for our community, which is the plus. Right. The pluses were very creative. The minuses, everybody else eats off of us and our creativity because we stop at the idea. Everybody sees the idea that they couldn't think of. They take that idea and then they monetize off of it based off the additional insights and research. To be a good entrepreneur, you need to be an amazing researcher. Steve, you're talking spicy right now. Golly, (laughs) keep going. I'm sorry. You need to be an amazing researcher. You need to be able to to research. and, And that's a key to being a successful entrepreneur. Like we know, like the dad hat's going to be cool. We set that trend. But what do we do? We post it, might run some ads, give it to some influencers, and we stop. The people who turn that into a business, that same idea, now it's a multi-million dollar business, a billion dollar business. It's because they started to study the consumer. Now they're thinking three hats down the line. Now they're thinking, all right, they love hats. What else do they love? And they're starting to create a business and company now where we just stop at that idea. Mm. So in order to be an amazing entrepreneur, you need to be able to learn how to study. It's very important. That's going to put you in a different, different ball game. Learn how to study. Give me an example of a company that you either work directly with or that you saw that started with like nothing. They started from the floor and some things that you saw or maybe you implemented, you work with the brand that, that helped it grow. Give me some examples. Um, I think instead of just saying examples of the company, your own company. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example of the pattern. Um, one was identifying the problem, which I think we all should understand and know. When One Music Fest was created, it was because people didn't think a collective of black people would want to stand in a field listening and watching music. Mm. So by creating a festival for people of color um, and saying that, yes, they do, you have the idea, then it's proof of concept. The proof of concept comes from a smaller version of it and testing it out to prove your concept. And if people are coming in there attending and it's raining and they're still standing out there and appreciating it, you know you're on to something. Then you continue to research and study. Um, but the biggest thing was the proof of concept and identifying the problem. Those are the two first things. And then actually applying it and seeing it through. 
You know, once you get a response and you build from there, then you start doing more research. You start understanding the people who are attending, what kind of music they like, you know, uh, what do they like to drink? What do they like to eat? Through you know? surveys? Yeah, or? through surveys, you know, information. You know, you have their database at that point. You have a database with their information. So you need to interact and engage that consumer because they're a focus group. They're an internal focus group for you where some companies might hire a, a, a company that, can host focus, focus groups for you to test products. You know, they'll have a group of 12 people in a room and how does this product taste? How does this product taste? How does it make you feel? What do you like about it? What do you dislike about it? Now you're getting all this information from your target audience, right? Mm. And it's the same thing. If you do this smaller event and you get 2,500 people, you know, you can start doing multipliers because people start to think the same. So you can actually get that insight and then start building you know, bigger platforms from there. But it takes that, again, that research and that that studying to be able to apply it to your business model to innovate and then scale. And these are some of the things that you learned working for corporate. Oh, 100%. We made, when I was in corporate- Who was your mentor there? Like, give me something genius where he was like, yo, that was crazy. No, with, with corporate, nothing happens without insight. So nothing happens without data. So you have Nielsen. Nielsen's one of the biggest of collecting data and they're big within grocery chains. So they can tell you all the biggest brands that are selling in every state, you know, in a convenience store, grocery store, you know, how the volume, how they tell you everything and they make decisions based off that. Mm. Like, all right. You know, for some reason in Nebraska, it's thousands of people drinking salsa water. Now people in New Mexico are drinking salsa water. So I'm going to create a seltzer water company and I'm going to start to market in that region of the country, you know, and if it becomes bigger and it spreads, then I have everything in motion already. already. Now I can scale and add it to, to other cities. But the data and the information is what leads that conversation. Mm. You have innovation where people come up with an idea, but then it's always going to tie back. Well, all right, let's get some inf- information on that. Let's see how people really feel about it before you make wow. a decision. Wow. 100%. And then we had two or three years ahead where we knew what products we were going to drop, mm-hmm. what commercials we were, you know, we were going to vibe with. Driven by data. Driven by data. Three years down the line. Like, that's just how it works, you know? Dang. So is it is it like, yo, I'll, I'll do something for the next two years, and based on what happened in the two years, I'm just projecting that these two years will repeat itself. Obviously, you know, um, uh, considering, you know, changes in economic yeah. structures, things of that nature. Absolutely. Dang, that's dope. You know what? I'm sorry. You got people like, that's their job. Yeah. Like, you're not in insights in marketing and something else. Like, your job is to research, study, and gain data and provide, you know, that data, those data points to the marketers, to the sales folks to make decisions based off that. You know, you think about building a team, you think about somebody that's going to be the face of the company, somebody that may be good with sales, connections, but you never really think about somebody like your sole purpose is to analyze. Yeah, that's business. that's that's the saying when you say this person got their ear to the streets. Yeah. For us, that person's in the community collecting data. They know what's cool. They know what's not cool. That's your insights person in the hood, in the, you know, in the community. They got their ear to the street. So it's usually somebody younger or somebody within that space that you tap into wow. and you 
bring them closer because they're going to tell you what's cool, what's not cool. Right now we have social media, so you can actually follow, unfollow right, people right. and kind of get that 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 gauge. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, you needed somebody who had their ears to the streets. Yeah. That's why corporate America hires agencies. Agencies is the ears to the streets. In corporate, you're just sitting behind a desk on your laptop all day, taking mm. your laptop home, cooking dinner, eating, you know, walking your dog and enjoying life. Right. Agencies are at the club, they're at the concert, you know what I'm saying, they're at the sporting event. Like they're the ones who actually know the pulse of the streets. That's where all the creativity comes from, is the mm. agencies. Now in corporate is, you know, if a person like myself comes into corporate, it's different because I come from the agency right, world. Right, right, right. So I, I was a part of creating those concepts and right. ideas. So I bring those creative ideas to corporate. And that's why the programs I built were the most longstanding programs that they ever had at the company mm. because I was building cool ass shit. Give me, <laughs> you know me the edited version. <laughs> I was building cool. cool I, was building, <laughs> I was building cool platforms, you right, know, right. so that they could vibe with that was impacting bottom line and mm. people thought were cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You think like an engineer. Because coming from you building a seven-figure business, so when you come into corporate, it's a piece of work. Yeah, absolutely. Dang, that's dope. All right, so how long were you in corporate? I was in corporate for 10 years. 10 years. The reason why I stayed so long, I felt like it was a sacrifice because I was managing dollars. Remember, I got into community affairs as well. And at that time, I had a huge budget to create programming and give back to the community. That was my job. Give back to the community. And so it's, picture, a sense, it's a sense no, of listen, like purpose, right? But yeah, absolutely. A sense of purpose. Yeah. It was fulfilling. But picture you having, you know, a vault of, let's say, $7 million mm-hmm. that you can go into your neighborhood. You go back to Jersey. You can go here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and distribute that cash to the people who are doing cool things in your That's neighborhood. That's a cool job. Right? Golly. And you know that you're giving back because if you're not doing it, what's the likelihood that somebody else who doesn't look like you or think Mm. like you is going to actually go into that hood and give those dollars to the people actually doing the work? You're going to partner with big national organizations that might not be touching the people who it needs to touch. So for me, I did, you know, I built a, a program called Tap the Future. Uh, Miller Lite tapped the future. Miller Lite is the original light beer. I did a pitch for that. Yeah. W- was uh was uh was Damon John a part of it? Yep. I did a pitch for that. That's, that was your so, campaign. Yeah, that was my program. Wow. So I I signed Damon on to come on um and be a part of Miller Lite Tap the Future. Um and we did it for five years. Mm-hmm. We did that tour for five years, traveling the United States of America listening to pitches and providing funding and resources to small businesses across the country. Mm. Right. Mm, I like that. So, you know, that was definitely fulfilling, but to me, I was like, I'm in a position where I can give back and I'm still creating and I'm still learning because I'm on tour with Damon. Who else do I want to listen to every time (laughs) on tour going from New York to California to everywhere? Like I was, that was, I was getting a master's degree every, you know, at the time we, we connected, yeah. you know, and built a, a, a solid, amazing relationship. And I'm, you know, my brother, Kenny Burns, who's here on V103 now, he was the yes. host. He was the host of the show. So him, Kenny Burns, Damon, myself, then I'll get judges in each city. But that's why I stayed in corporate so long, because yeah. every year I was getting millions of dollars to create programming. I was refurbishing basketball courts all over the country. Like, Almost like Robin Hood. He was like the black corporate Robin Hood, bro. <laughs> right. 
So it was like, to me, I felt like it was my duty to stay in that, that role and, and keep giving back. Mm-hmm. Um, until the point where I was like, all right, I need my time back. Yeah. I was a part of the hiring process for the person who backfilled me. So I felt good about that. Um, but I had to move on, Yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. five businesses, six businesses later, you know, from leaving, you know, it was the best decision I could have made. Yeah. I could have easily been comfortable, like, I'm going to keep getting these, you know, these checks, these six-figure checks, and chill out. Right. And, you know? like, feed your, feed your community. You feed the community. I can see why. I can see why you can go from running a seven-figure company to, like, a really good job where you make good money and it's purpose and it's cool right. and you're making connections. So I bet you cringe when you hear, like, these, you know, entrepreneurs, like, Nobody should work a job. And you're like, what? Yeah, that's why I say if you work a job, just make sure you have a plan. Move with purpose. Like, we all should move with purpose. Once you identify what your purpose is and what you're trying to accomplish in life, it makes your days that much easier because you know what you're working towards. And the days that things don't work out as well, you know that you still got you one one step closer to where you're trying to be. So, you know, I don't knock people to go into corporate. Like, everybody has their thing. Some people aren't built to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they yeah. want to show up to a job, have that built-in family through your organization, and get a check every two weeks or every month. And they're good with that. And that's okay. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And then there's people who want to be entrepreneurs, who want to continue to build and, and, and grow and have small businesses. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, where I have a problem is when one starts to bash the other. I'm yeah. like, that's not the life you want. If that's not the life you want, leave it alone. Yeah. Like, it, you're not built for it. Right, right. Entrepreneurs <laughs> aren't right, built right. for the corporate life. Like, yeah. no, entrepreneur doesn't want to go in and listen to somebody who you're smarter than tell you what to do every day. Right. That's annoying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's annoying. And then you have to fight to make more money. And they're going to tap the shoulder of people yeah. they know. Opposed to you, even though you're killing yourself. Yeah. It's not a life you want. You're not yeah. built for it either. So for somebody that can actually take that mm-hmm. and actually make a career out of it and, and figure it out and break through that glass, like kudos to you. That's yeah. an accomplishment. For sure. For I sure. just happen to do both at the same time. Yeah. So when you left, were you building your business before you left? Or? I, was, I was a corporate preneur, so I was always doing both. Yeah. So what was the plan? Well, what happened? Give me the moment. If, if you remember the moment, like, yo, this is it. I'm done. Yeah. Um, it was a combination of things. You know, the organization itself um, had a parent company. They had two parent companies at first, and then one sold to the other. Then there was one parent company. And then, you know, they're overseas, and they have all these ideas, concepts, mm. and ways they want to go as an organization. Business, you know, the beer industry wasn't the best during that time. So it's like, do I want to stay on a sinking ship while I'm building this stuff? But the moment where I was like, all right, it's time to go, like, start up the car. <laughs> um, it's when I released The Mind of a Winner. You know, I released The Mind the of a Winner. Book. First book, it hit number one on Amazon in 24 hours. Wow. People wanted to hear what I had to say. Yeah. And I had to go on tour. And I had to continue to build and grow from there. Yeah. And, you know, I had other platforms that were starting to grow in their space as well. And I was like, in order for this to purely take on what it's supposed to take on, I need to give it all of my time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Before I I can do halfway, I was still putting in all the work. 
But I wasn't there all day. I wasn't there making phone calls, meeting people, and doing what I needed to do to get the business where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So by leaving, it afforded me the time to be able to put it towards everything that I wanted to do, everything that I love. Was, was all your money outside of your job coming from the book at that point? Outside of the job, no. I was still consulting. Mm-hmm. So people who are starting businesses, helping them go through that entire process. Mm-hmm. You got legal Zoom, and then you got somebody who will talk to you every day, respond to a text message, yeah. and do what you need. So registering businesses, learn, you know, basically start, grow, and scale your business. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? All while you're in corporate. All while I was in corporate. Because I had time, you know, when I would check out from one, those hours would go towards my business. Yeah. I was still you. a high performer in corporate because um, I just mastered time management. Yeah. Dang, I suck at it. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm getting I'm, better. I'm getting better. It's important, man. What are some keys you got for time management? I need help. <laughs> Respect time. <laughs> Respect time. Respect Go time. For that. That, that, that's deep. That's deep. Give me some. Yeah, talk understand to me. that you know, the minute, two minutes, three minutes that pass by, the second that just passed by, we don't get back mm-hmm. ever again. Right. It's gone. So that that's like me. Just every time a minute goes, that's a dollar that's just going, and another dollar that's going, and another dollar that's going. I'm never gonna get back. Like I can't get that dollar back. Right. Mm-hmm. And in order to efficiently manage that, you have to respect it. And by respecting it is, if I say I'm a, like, even coming here, like, we talked, you're like, this time I planned everything to a T to make sure I got here around a certain time because mm-hmm. that's what we talked about, yeah. right? Um, some people might be like, I get here when I get here or I got other stuff going on. Like, if I need to cut something off in order to respect and appreciate that next hour, the next minute, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know that the time that we're building and doing this, I can't get back, Yeah, you know, and this is going to be a unique situation. So I'm, I'm going to put a level of respect onto this yeah. and I don't do anything that doesn't come with this level of respect for that time mm. at all. Wow. So, so how do you, how do you begin to um, not only respect your time, but how do you show that you're respecting your time? Because I, I mean, I feel like I respect my time, right? I'm not just, I, I Consist- slow down. Consistency. On, yeah. Consistently doing it. You can do anything here and there. Mm-hmm. When you're consistently doing it, people know that. Give me an example. So whether it's my wife We've been together. We had, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Congrats, congrats. She knows if I say something at a time, she's going to be ready by that time. Because consistently over years, I've shown that and I've shown her that I respect that time. And when I say a certain time, she knows I'm saying it for a reason. She knows that I've planned out everything to a T. So if we say we're going to a movie, no, we want to park. We're going to get to the counter. You're going to be like, do I want... Popcorn, if I do, can I get butter halfway? Then bring it back. You fill it up, and I'm going to put more butter onto it. Babe, can you get the slushy? I want these three flavors. So we just spent about 15, 20 minutes just deciding on items that we want. Then there's another 10 minutes before, 15 minutes before the show starts (laughs) with the credits. 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm saying and then watching the movie um, and then, you know, what we decide to do after if it's go home or whatever. Like I think through everything. So when I say a time, like I've actually thought of outliers. Mm. So when you said a certain time for us to meet today, I was like, I'm at the hotel from here to here. It takes this time. There might be traffic. They might not. So I'm going to give it a little, you know, fluff just in case um, and just communicate. So, you know, mm. that on the way know that I respect your time um, that's how I move with everything mm. you know it's crazy too because I, I I have that same level of the time so like I'm not gonna say we're gonna record at three and get here at three 
I, I give myself like time for setups, oops, stuff like that. But very rarely do people come early. Very rarely. Yeah, that just t- that's crazy. <laughs> it just you know that's people. There's not the same. I'm not gonna say people. Other people don't respect time. We just don't have the same level of respect for that time. Because mm. uh, there's a lot of idle time. Yeah. That if you just paid attention and just respected it, you could have been on time, but it wasn't something major that made you late. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something that you absolutely had to wait for that made you late. You were late because you just allowed the time to go by. Wow. Was there a point where you started to respect time? Is there like this, did something dramatic happen or were you just starting to notice certain patterns, something that like really got you fed up and say, yo, I, I'm not accomplishing as much as I should. Let me pay more attention to my time. Was yeah. there a moment or you always um, been like that? I think I've, I've always kind of been like that. I think I got like an internal clock too. Yeah. I've, I've always been like this. Um, as I grow, um, especially as a professional, I definitely see the value in that time more. But it was always built in me, something I always respected. But I definitely understand how it can impact your day-to-day now. Yeah. 100%. Wow. So you were, after you quit, you're still consulting. You drop your book. You're going on a book tour. Um, what did you start to build past your book in that period, which led into kind of like this whole Voltron Captain Planet situation you got going on with your partners? Yeah, so um, the brand executive, which is one, mm-hmm. um, just putting people and businesses in a position to understand that they are a brand mm-hmm. and they're the CEO of that brand, whether you're a person or a business, like you make the ultimate decisions of if this business is going to succeed or fail mm-hmm. and what are the systems you need to put in place to make sure you not only achieve success but sustain it over time, mm-hmm. who are the people and the networking that you need to do to surround yourself with the right people. Um, When the external world sees what's a reflection of you and your brand, you know, have you put thought into it? Like there's meanings to colors, there's meanings to numbers, there's meanings to fonts and how things look. Like, did you just ask somebody in India to do something for you and you just rocked with it? Or did you actually put thought into that process? Um, Because it all all matters because successful agencies and successful companies, the one thing that they can do is tell a story. Mm-hmm. If you can tell a, a compelling story, a good story, you can sell anything. Mm-hmm. So in order to be able to be on top of your game, to be able to spit that game, you have to know all the intricate details. You have to be able to build on that story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I built, you know, I have black in my, you know, brand, you know, for bold and strength. And that's what I want people to, that's what I want my organization to represent and fire. And, you know, you could start talking about, you know, purple and royalty and all types of different things of why things went into your brand, which Mm -hmm. is a conversation starter. And people start to see you in a different light because they know that you're not just saying anything like you put thought into your words. There's a whole other level of respect that comes with that. So it's just tactics of, you know, when you're networking and meeting people, like being able to dive a little bit deeper into that brand story um, definitely goes a long way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're building in, in 
you weren't doing corporate clients, right? Just more small business owners or what? Um, it was a combination. Combination? Yeah, it was a combination because some organizations needed help with, you know, certain staffing stuff, mm-hmm. um, event execution. Which makes you dope, too, because you've been on both sides now. Been on both sides. Mm. So <clears throat> working with uh, brands um, within both spaces, mm-hmm. corporate and, um, you know, startups, entrepreneurs. Uh, so you got the brand executive. Um, I was doing speaking engagements for the Mind of a Winner. So I'm, you know, speaking for corporate functions right. as well. Um, doing trainings with employees and staff just on mindset, how mm-hmm. to think, how to approach your job. Because I was in corporate, so I can I can give you insight on that um, that entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Working in a corporate setting, yeah. You know how to climb the corporate ladder. Um, having those conversations. Uh, and then in addition to that, I was building other platforms like myself, Kenny Burns and Enneton, um created a platform called For Women Only um, by Married Men. So we travel and we travel Hold across on. the Is country. That for, no, that's for sisters only. That's different. What did I say? For women only? Yeah, for women only, yeah. Right, but you heard it for sisters only. <clears throat> that sounded really good. That's why I was like, hold up. Is that my brand as well? Oh. No. <laughs> But yeah, it was like a, a big conference in Atlanta. I don't know if they keep doing if they're still doing it, but for sisters yeah. only. So for us, uh, for women only, um, was a national tour that we we built, and we went from city to city. It was just women in the room, and three married men just talked about our experience from the you know being single to what the thought was when we were getting engaged to being married now, having children, having a woman who's all encompassing, just dope professional, um, you know, how men can get intimidated by that and just answering questions. Um, we developed that platform, um, which we partnered with Kavarcier on, um, across the country. Um, you know, with myself, Jay, you know, one music fest, you know, that's been going on for, you know, now 11 years. Uh, so there was a lot that was going on. Um, in addition to continuously building on relationships where an organization or a relationship might not need my services or my concepts or ideas at that moment, mm-hmm. but I knew eventually they would. Right. So right. just continually to build those relationships and then eventually, you know, there's something that people need. Yeah. So how did y'all come together though? Because he's doing one music <clears throat> fest. You're- yeah, it was just something that, you know, we collectively just got together as like, you know what, man, like we've been working together all these years, but we never offered our services of everything we're building and how we built it and our expertise to the world. Mm. So um, we, you know, everybody came to New York. Um, We're in the office and we just talked about everything that we can offer all of our experience and how we can offer that to the world. And how, now how can we package that as a business yeah. to offer to the world? That's pretty um, dope. Just coming together. Yeah, we just put our, all our capabilities together. And, you know, we've been rocking out. And we've been working with some amazing brands, mm. um, athletes. Uh, we curate our own events. We just did one music fest uh, in November, pre-part, uh, November 1st, pre-party to the vote. Mm-hmm. Um where we worked with uh, Michelle Obama, Stacey Abrams. We had hella people, you know, come on the show from Damon John, 
um, to Felicia Richard. Uh, we had a lot of folks who came mm. on there. And then we had performances, 10 years of One Music Fest. We had new performances. Um, it was just a dope vibe, you know, three-hour show that we produced. It looked like you were watching something on CBS, wow. you know. Um, but we also want to display to the world our capabilities as well, yeah. you know, and show that we can pivot because we're used to having 55,000 people in a park listening and watching shows live. Can't happen right now. Right, right. So we didn't decide to take a year off. We kept it rolling and we produced it virtually, you know, so we did a virtual festival. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we came together and we just wanted to offer all our capabilities to the world, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I gotta be a little selfish right now because I want to get into, um, like, uh, some things from me in my brand. Right. Mm -hmm. So you are the person who, who merges the company, big company dollars with somebody who has a dope idea to the streets. Right. And, you know, create these campaigns. What do I got to do to get a deal with Doritos? I stopped doing the videos. Uh, I, I kind of just, I, I create my content. I'm actually recording some tomorrow. But like, what what would I do? Because I think I have a really strong brand and I would love to wear Puma every episode, right? So what, what do I do to take a dope brand concept, whatever I do, and connect with a corporation? It's a loaded question because... The first thing I'm going to ask you, I would need an answer to. And that's, you know, what does Dorito stand for right now? What is their brand about? Mm. What's their target audience? Do you have the audience that they want? You can have a million people watching your show, but if a million people don't like Doritos, then it, those million people don't mean nothing. Dang, that's deep. And then, so I need to do my homework <clears throat> on identifying what they, which what brands, what they need, which what they brands actually align. And you can tell by commercials, you can tell by billboards, you can tell by, you know, who they partner with. You know, when you go to certain websites, like all that's there is going to tell you who they're interested in, who their target audience is. Right. Um, and then you need to identify your demographic, your in information, who, what does your audience look like? Right. You know, do they like Doritos? You know, um, and if you don't know that question, then you should start sending out surveys to your folks and ask them a myriad of, myriad of questions for brands that you like. If you want Puma, if you want Doritos, if you want Rolex, if you want, you know, certain. I think Rolex is sponsor me. <laughs> I like to see you enjoy it. Like, yeah, Rolex, if you watch it. Okay. I would love to be on with the Diddy. Um, identify what those brands are. Mm. And then start to, on your end, identify what your demographic is and then send a survey to them. Hey, do you like these brands? And then collectively you can say, hey, 80% of my audience, whether it's 10,000 people, 20,000 people, love your brand. And then you can, everybody's on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You can send a note, nice packaged, you know, one pager, additional information about your company, showing the data that actually aligns with their brand. Take notes that aligns with their brand, shoot it over and say, hey, I'd love to get a conversation. What they're going to do is they're going to connect you with their agency of record mm -hmm. um, to see if it's something that agency can make sense. Agency of record. <clears throat> the agencies are the ones that are actually creating the programs for the brand. So you can reach out to the CMO of an organization. That person doesn't control the dollars. That person tells the people controlling the dollars what they would like to see and how they where they want the business to go mm. based off the board of directors and the numbers they need to meet that year. But the 
person running the brands are the directors, you know, um, and the brand managers who are actually working with the agencies. So having a relationship with agencies, one, hold, is hold, very hold, important. Hold on one second. So I need to identify their market, their target, yeah. then identify my own target, right. my target. And create a, create a list of brands that you want to work with. And do a survey with your audience to see what, which brands they're vibing with and which brands they're not. And once you get that data, you'll know who which brands you can reach out to. Then because I, based on if, that data, if the data speaks to speaks that language. So if your audience, if you got three percent of people that say they like Doritos out of ten thousand people, then you don't need to be reaching out to Doritos because your audience doesn't rock with them. They're going to partner with you because the, at the end of the day, what they would like is for you to help them sell more product. If you're not mm. helping them sell more product, why are they giving you any money? Mm. So either way it works, whether it's high, I can say, hey, my audience, they love you. Let's, let's you know, continue to create content for them. But if it's low, we can say, well, you know, I'd like think, to bring my you, love. Do you think that, you know, getting 5,000 people is going to really be an impact to the bottom line when they're spending millions of dollars, they're spending million do- millions of dollars on Super Bowl commercials mm-hmm. here, there, and everywhere. So, what you need to present is how not only am I going to help you with this audience, but we're going to continue to build off of what I have. So, from it's going to go from the podcast to you know editing and being on YouTube and increasing the the viewership to creating you know local events to creating a virtual series and your packaging your product to present opposed to just saying, Hey, these 10,000 people are going to, you know, do it for you. You need to really present and package, you know, a concept and a program. So package my product or my offering, right? Yeah, Just think about it. They're spending millions of dollars already. How are you going to impact what they're doing? Right. So you got to really be creative and think big. The, the problem is we don't think big enough. You know, we're looking for $10,000 checks. Like they're spending, 500 million, 800 million on marketing and you want a $10,000 check? Oh, you're stretching me, Steve. It's like we we need to think bigger. We need to think bigger. All right, how can I turn this into something a lot bigger to get a lot more reach and then I get the insights and data of all these people watching and I can package that into programming. Like, I'm going to run some ads. I'm going to do some long and short format content. You know, I'm going to create some live experiential events. I'm going to package that. And this is a program that you can run with and we can partner on and work with. Mm. Yo, that is good. You do really. And and, and I, I guess I'm guilty of it right now of thinking, OK, I'm going to create some content, put their brain on it and say, hey, y'all give me some money because people like the content not necessarily thinking of where they're trying to go as a company and how I that's can. The biggest, that's the biggest thing. That's why I never call it a sponsorship. I call it a partnership because both need to benefit from this. It mm. needs to go both ways. That only happens in a partnership. Back in the day, you can get a sponsorship. They'll cut a check, not talk to you, don't care, do what you do. They're just trying to sprinkle that all over. Yeah. Get a bunch of smaller things all over the country. Now they need to be be more efficient with their dollars. So you need to present and show that you know what their brand stands for, and you know, you know a yellow brick road 
to helping them out in their bottom line. Yeah. Yo, through I'm, your audience. Yo, I'm seeing a lot of companies going to influencers now. So I just saw um, B. Simone got a foot action deal. Um, the whole Cactus Jack, McDonald's thing. That's a whole clothing line because she showed she has an audience that moves when she speaks. So she can put out some tights. She can put out hoodie. She can put out socks. Mm-hmm. And Mary Seats, who, you know, part of part Power Circle. Mary Skittles. Skittles. She's in my book as well. Tell her story mm-hmm. with Cupcake Mafia. Like she built a company from zero to multi-millions, million dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's who manages her. So I'm pretty sure that B. Simone got some insights from from Mary as well yeah. from that space. And like, Skittles she got manufacturers she in China. Big. Like, she's done all that. Like, I know her story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I can see how that translates to B. Simone, which is smart because she surrounded herself with the right people. Mm. Where do you see this influencer thing going? Like, because, um, I mean, we we control, I'll, I'll say we, but, you know, like the, the influencers, right? Like social media, whatever. They are dictating culture now, right? Because we have a following, like not we, but the, the, you have so, a following. I mean, you yeah, have I do, but as an influencer, right? Where do you see the power of these brands going? And obviously, a lot of them aren't using it the way they're undervaluing themselves. I'll put it that way. Hundred percent, because it's new. It's still new. Yeah. You know, regardless of how many people, how many ads or whatever we're seeing now is just multiplied and scaled tremendously. But this is fairly new. So people are still learning. People are still understanding the game. And right now, brands have to because people aren't outside. So what are you doing virtually that can impact our our brands? And they're tapping into that culture. Right. And like I said before, like they're the machine. So the machine is going to tap into the creative and they're just going to suck all that out. Mm. B. Simone's going to get a nice check. I'm not mad at that at all. But I'm pretty sure if she had the proper resources, she could do that herself. She already has the audience. She already has the people. You know what I'm saying? But that's where, again, I say the creatives are creating and then we stop at the product where the people with the resources connect onto you and they're just juicing that. Mm, until they're done juicing it. They just connect to somebody else, right? They connect to somebody else, another influencer. Right. They, that's unlimited resource. So it's, it's good to be an influencer and now have a consistency and an audience and something you can sell. What do we need to do to protect culture? <sighs> the most important thing from day one is unity actual collaboration more time more now than ever we need more collaboration than ever mm-hmm. there's only so much i can do myself yeah i bringing on a jay carter and a troy brown now it's you know voltron like we've built something crazy yeah you know um now picture if we continue to add on that and continue to be a resource to each other mm-hmm. like that's that's how we protect culture because we're not going to be as dependent on others. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like the difference between an HBCU and a PWI, a predominantly white institute, is their endowment. An endowment for an average HB, not HBCU, a PWI, is about $350 million. Their network is giving back into the source. Mm. HBCUs, when you take out Spellman and Howard, 
it's eight million. It's a huge difference. Really? Three hundred fifty million and eight million. So our HBCUs have to be more reliant on government assistance, on one-time big donations. That's why we built HBCU Change. We're trying to help these HBCUs be more self-sufficient. Hmm. And why do you say take out Spelman and Howard? Because their their numbers would skew it. Those two schools, when you add in how much they raise mm-hmm. compared to the other 103, because there's 103 right now, credit and everything, to 103, that it would increase the number. So it might go from 8 million to like 16 million. Oh, so because you, those two. Because those two, gotcha. those alumni, they give back. They get it. But the other 100 aren't right. on that vibe. Yeah. So I don't want people to think like that's what it is across the board. That's right. not what it is. It's actually a lot lower. Single digits, eight million. You know, so <clears throat> that mm. that's the difference in unity and actually giving back and building community. Wow. It's three three hundred and fifty million, eight million. And that's our community. That eight million is culture. That's where all the ideas, everything comes from that eight million dollar pot. You know what I'm saying? Those schools. You know? Amazing. If that picture, if that culture Went from eight million to three hundred million, or one hundred fifty oh, million, we'll or two hundred fifty million. We'd run the world. Yeah, <laughs> everything. We wouldn't be dependent on anybody. Have our own networks. Have our own commercials. Have our own radio stations. Everything. We would. I don't care for anybody. Like I don't need iHeart. I don't need the station. I don't mm-hmm. need CNN, NBC. We're gonna be giving our own news. They're gonna be watching what we're talking about. Cause that's just gonna be stale. Mm. That's why I really love what you do and how you think. Because you always think of the collective. Absolutely. Right? Just being able to work with you for the last, you know, I guess almost a year or so. Um, just you always think collective. How do we get us to think collective? It's hard because you got everything in the world telling us that you are the star. You know what I'm saying? From all the music we watch, all the videos we watch, all the the movies we're attracted to. It's purposely done so we don't think differently. Mm. When, you know, from the beginning of slavery and we we precede that, we're we're kings, queens way before that. When they were coming from Africa, coming here, the best thing they could have done is divide and conquer. So they dropped a little bit in Jamaica. They dropped a little bit in Haiti. They dropped a little bit in this island and this island put some in the, in the States and they, we all think we're different. We, we don't think we're mm. the same person. We're mm. all, we started from the same place, but now we're all every, all over the world. And now we, you know, we don't think as a collective as one unit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The Caribbean should move as one unit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, we're starting to get more in tune. Right. Um, I think the, the situation with, uh, you know, the riot, race riots and Donald Trump being president, right, coming in and kind of exposing what has always been there. I think we're starting to get it now, though. We're starting to get it. How long does that last? When Until we the rest of the again. world shuts <laughs> off that support and care? What happens then? You know what I'm saying? Like, are people still going to have the same passion and energy to see it through? You know, like... I think that the elders um, are who they are. I think that change comes from the youth mm-hmm. because they view the world differently. 
Mm-hmm. What they care for is different. Most don't even drive. They don't care for cars. They don't care for most things that us as the connectors in between both, like we see both sides and both yeah. worlds and we can live through both and make that bridge. Yeah. They don't care for most of that stuff. So I think the change will come from there. I just hope that they aren't poisoned by the elders, the parents and the people who are mm. feeding them what like they feel like life should be. Yeah. Let's allow them to dictate what the world is supposed to look like mm-hmm. because it's going to be different from where we are today. And I think it's going to be better than where we left it. Mm. So I think it's important um, for that to happen because that's where I think the, the true spark happens. Yeah. I think right now you got some people who are like sleepwalking. So they hear it, they feel it, but they're really sleeping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not really about that life. Yeah. So mm. Mm. this is a very heavy conversation. Yeah, this was this was a really, really fulfilling interview for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? To 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 one understand that like like there's another side that does things differently and what we're taught on these webinars and you know, what have you. Um, it's not, it's not what we just talked about. Like yeah. decisions driven by data, right. Or, or, um, you know, like seeing this disparity between, um, HBCUs and PWIs. Like if we don't know, we don't know to do anything about it. Right. And to try to magnify that message, and push it out is a challenge that I've accepted, you know, through certain platforms um, and companies that we've, we've brought to life. It's just sharing that message and just getting more people engaged in that space. Yeah. So they can impact their network and their circles. So that message can continue. Um, But to your point, like there's a lot of folks we're preaching and then sharing that message is just the microphone isn't usually on for those people. Yeah. Because yeah. it isn't a part of the plan for the bigger picture of the country. Mm-hmm. The bigger picture of the country is to keep it how it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you can, all right, I'll give you a couple extra dollars to do some things. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to give it right back. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a couple dollars, let you live for a bit. Dang. And then it goes away. True change you know, it's a systematic change that has to happen to see true change. Whole different mindset. Mm. Like, you can't see change in our current structure. It's not structured for change. Mm. From top to bottom. Which which definitely um, gives me even more a sense of responsibility. And hopefully, like the viewers, we, we start to own that there's a problem and we have a responsibility to do something about it. And, yeah. you know, we don't have somebody just going to go out there and um, put together the fund or, or you know, like really be the forerunner, but like take somebody from your neighborhood under your wing. Yeah. Mentor yeah. somebody. Yes. Like, yes. That's, it, it don't take much. It's that like, simple. It's that simple. It's that simple. Man, Steve, I appreciate you, my brother. I, I need you, G, I need you to get a question together, okay? I need you to get a question together uh, for Steve because um, I really like to uh, uh, get a question that I haven't asked or thought of. So um, thank you for coming. And um, I, I, I like to make predictions on the podcast. Okay. 
I want to know where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years, things that you've done, things that you've built, so that I can look at this five to 10 years from today and say, wow, Steve said, I got the footage. He said he's going to do it. We're looking at it later. Actually did it. Where do you see yourself accomplishing? Or where do you see yourself? In five to 10 years, it's a big difference. So I'll start at five years, then I'll Mm -hmm. tell you 10. Let's do it. Um, In five years, uh, I see... A lot of the seeds that I've put in the ground this year with some of the businesses that I have, in five years, those businesses are going to have IPOs. Those businesses are going to be huge mm-hmm. based off of the placements and where we're putting them in retail and grocery and, and, so, and, and such. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the businesses that I currently have that I'm working on are going to be in a totally different space. They're going to go from about let's say 20 employees to hundreds of employees Mm. because of what we're laying down right now. And all of it's happening right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm speaking the now. Yeah. Um, When you're creating history, it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but for some reason it feels like you see it. Oh, hundred percent. Like it's being structured specifically for that. Um, In 10 years, I see myself enjoying all that work. Done. So done. Like, 10 years, like, it'll be the next person that we're teaching right now who's a part of all our meetings and learning. They'll be running the businesses. I'll be somewhere with my wife chilling. If she's still working in the NBA and we're in another city, cool. But, you know, my kids, you know, they'll be going into middle school. They'll be about to finish middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'll be a totally different vibe and energy in 10 years. Mm. 10 years is, is going to be because of this year, 2020. Mm. How's the pandemic for you? I don't want to be that person. So I know. Or so, maybe not what you've done, but who have you become? Let me phrase it that, that way. Who have you become through the pandemic? Um, I've become my purpose. I knew what it was prior, but I'm actually living it day to day. And I've cut the fat of everything else that was lingering because it was something to do. Right now, I do not do anything that doesn't align with my purpose, which is to provide access, information, and opportunity to people. Mm. So us doing this podcast is sharing insight and information that hopefully can help someone or more. Yeah. So I'm always going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here in Atlanta and everything that I've done has been a part of my purpose. I don't move without it and my priorities, you know? Um, but this year I've experienced, you know, family members passing away, My best friends that I've known since elementary school, their parents passing away. Mm. Um, I've experienced, um, you know, people going through depression. I've experienced myself actually taking more time for myself Mm. outside of just family. Like if I decide to just sit on the couch and watch Netflix or movies or series for an entire day, I'm going to do it and I'm going to feel great about that shit. I need to do it, yeah. Yeah, and not care about phone calls, emails. I needed you know what, that, bro? so I'm going to do it. Next week, I'm going to block off a day. A la- and I'm a, I think I'm going to name it like Lazy Day. 
please do. Because it does so much more for you. You'll be more impactful prior to that because your mind is will be ready to take on more stuff. Um, mm. And the seeds, the seeds that I've put together this year, I've actually planted, I've watered, I've cared for, given it sunlight, given it the intention, talk to it. You know, I let it breathe and I'm focused in it. I'm locked in it where before it's like I do it. It's talented and, and making it happen. But was I really giving it all I could? It's like marriage. I feel like the only way marriage works is if you go in 150%. Like the the, the little side things that you may do, it's going to throw it off. It's going to throw sure. the balance off. It's not going to be what it needs to be. Yeah. And it's the same thing with business. That's why, you know, I only focus on the purpose piece. Opportunities that may come apart. It's not part of that purpose. I don't really rock with it. I don't care care for the opportunity. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Jay, let's give Steve a question. Mm, what is the first step for an influencer to break the chain of being used? Well, Dang, that's a that's a question. Be, being used is in the eye of the beholder. So some influencers don't feel like they're being used because they're getting the check. But if you go into a partnership and you feel like you're getting used, you need to identify what that feeling is. Like, am I getting used because they're repurposing the content and, you know, I didn't get paid enough for it? Um, Are they asking me to do 50 things, you know, for a small check? Like majority of the time you made that decision to actually let that ink dry and actually work with the brand. Um, So identifying first and foremost and understanding your true value, 100%. Once you understand your true value, you bring that to the negotiation table and that's what you present to the the potential partner, the organization. You gotta tell them what you want. They're either gonna say yes or no. If they say no, you keep it moving. There'll be other brands that come about, especially if if you're a true influencer and really make an impact and have a dope product or service or whatever it is, other brands will come. Somebody's going to cut you that check. But you personally have to know your value. If somebody feels right now that they're getting used, it's because they didn't know their true value. They went into a situation just to show on Instagram that they partnered with this brand or they got this check from this brand and they're just wasting time. Resources. Because I would do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, your value, yeah, David. I, I you got a dope platform. Name. You're dope. Thank like, you. <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing, and it's gonna yeah. come. Like, there's no set time. Like, I can't say in a month a brand's gonna come and want to cut you a check for this, this, or that. There's a lot of variables. Mm. What is that brand's plan for the year? Who's their audience? What are they trying to accomplish? That determines if they want to work with somebody or not. And then the agency that's coming up with the creative, do they know you? Yeah. Do they know about you? So when a concept comes and it's something that that you could potentially fill that void or create for them, if the agency doesn't know about you, you don't exist because the person at corporate damn sure ain't going to know if they don't have the right people in that office Mm -hmm. who's about the culture, who understands more about it. If they do, then they'll be able to identify you. Be like, yo, I've been watching and listening to this podcast and. You know, this David dude is amazing. Like he'd be eating these Doritos and he'd be dropping bars and he gets all these interviews and, you know, he has great relationships. You know, 
I think he'd be good for this program. Mm-hmm. That's how it comes about. If it's not that conversation, then it's you packaging what you have and reaching out to the agencies and having them now have you on the radar. Mm-hmm. But that has to happen some at some point. Yeah, Somebody needs to know or somebody needs to let them know. Mm. Steve, you're a brilliant man, man. I want to say thank you. I really, really want, not not for just coming on the show, but uh, the the uh, uh, the impact that you make on our people, and also, um, you know, just giving me like real game on some stuff, like you know, outside of the podcast, like I can call Steve, and I know if I have a a a something that I'm dealing with, it's not going to be coming from a, a standpoint of judgment. You know what I mean? Like I called you like, yeah, I think I need a therapist. Steve's like, yo, I had one. Do it. It's dope. I'm like, what? There's no, like, there's no, there's no judgment there. So I just want to say thank you for just being no, here. Absolutely, man. Like I think how I approach life is a little bit different. You know, I think there's different lanes. I like to, I'm, I like playing the background because I like being a part of the strategy and, and trying to put things together and the planning of it. But, you know, I understand, you know, the lane of being in the front and having conversations and interacting with people. I try to position myself in the middle and just be a resource and be an example. So when I'm on Instagram or social media, I'm doing things to be an example, a positive example. And then on the back end, I'm trying to get as many people as possible that I know that can actually fill a void for a need and get them involved with that partnership or that yeah. situation. Trust, if there's an opportunity that comes about and I feel like I could definitely insert you into that, yeah. that phone call is going to happen. Yeah. But that call could be today. It could be next week. It could be next year. Yeah. It could be this top of 20, uh, 2020. I mean, uh, 2022. You know how many people that were like, yo, we need to work together. I want to do something. Let me know. It's like, just be patient. Yeah, I got you. I know your strengths. And then it'll be five years later, three years later. They're like, damn, you said that shit. And you said that in, you know, five years ago. And look at us now. Like, I'm always going to remember. I just, you know, as long as I know the strengths and what the bullets I could use, then we're good. Like, I'm always going to have that in mind. And I think it's a a huge key in that, too, is to be continuing to do what you You were doing five years ago. (laughs) Consistency is key. Yeah. You can't just drop one thing today, get, you know, X amount of views and think you've made it. Mm-hmm. You have to be consistent. You got to show people that you can consistently deliver. Yeah. So, if you know, all right, we might not be able to do this program now in January, but we're going to do this in the fall, in September. Mm-hmm. Can you maintain that consistency for eight months going into the ninth? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you? Yeah. And if you can, then you got something. Then you can actually present that. Then you start planning in June, mm-hmm. July. August and then you launch in September. Like yeah. that's how it works. Sometimes they'd be like, yo, I can't do it this year. We already have our plans in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something we're going to innovate and focus on for next year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and are you going to be consistent for a year? Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. organizations want to seek consistency. So you got to be key. consistent. That's a key. Look, man, get some, get some uh, closing bars together. Okay. Um, I want to uh, thank everybody for coming out. Um, 
to, you know, coming out to your computer and watching this interview. <laughs> See, uh, um, this, this episode is sponsored, as always, by The Morning Meetup. I want you to go to themorningmeetup.com and enroll. And I want you to invest $1 to be on the most amazing call every single morning. We are the only community that gathers every single morning. The entire community between 120 and 160 was, I think we had like 170 people on the call every on th- this particular morning. So Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to 9 a.m. We gather and we talk about different topics and subjects. So this month, we were on the month of um, October. What are we on? November? Yeah. November. It was all content creation. The month of December of 2020 will be... um, uh, centered around financial literacy. So we're going to make sure your finances together. Everybody in our community is going to know exactly what your budget is for the month. You'll know exactly what your expenses are for the month. You'll know exactly what your business is doing every single month. So I'm excited about that. So go to themorningmeetup.com and enroll today. Okay. Steve, let them know how to find you um, and close us out with a word of wisdom, brother. Yeah, definitely. You can find me on all platforms at Steve Canal. So I'm consistent across the board, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, it's all at Steve Canal. Um, consistency is key, you know, so I, I want to make it easy for people to find me. Website at Steve Canal, well, Steve Canal, www.stevecanal.com. Um, you can book a free 30 minute session um, if you want to build mm. uh, talk about, you know, your journey and your path. I want uh, to book one. <laughs> book one right quick. <laughs> and for me, you know, I always tell people, you know, you only live once, so why not be great? Right? Why not live this life to the fullest? We only get one time. So are you gonna live it to your fullest? Because there's gonna be a moment where you're gonna be thinking about all the things you've could have accomplished. Yeah. If you didn't really, you know, put your energy and super serve your niche. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You need to identify what, what you're great at. And super serve that. Yeah. Double down on it. Because that's nine times out of ten gonna be something that you really love and you'll do it even without getting paid. Focus on that, identify that, and super serve that to the people because that's your audience, that's what they're gonna want. And you just give it to them and just just feed them with it. You know, and just just live because again, we only live once. Yeah. So why am I gonna half, you know, half it? Like I'm going to put my all into it and I'm going to make sure that every minute that I put out there is worth it. It's, 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 it's fulfilling. It's a fulfilling minute. You know what I'm saying? Like live. Not too many of us aren't tapping into that energy. So right. just want to make sure you live, like tap into that energy. Only get one life, bro. Yeah. Can't close it out no stronger than that. Listen, y'all go get you some social proof. Go- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.